the amount of chemicals we're exposed to is going up exponentially every year. And we think, oh, it's okay, it's safe. If it was a problem, our government would protect us. No, they don't. Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder, and I'm going to help you rock your hormones and feel great in your body so that you can reclaim more energy, vitality, and joy and become the CEO of your health. Let's jump on in. Hey, one more thing. Did you know that one of the biggest nutrient deficiencies that I see in people, especially women, is a magnesium deficiency? It's because we burn through the super mineral so quickly. Now, this powerful mineral packs a massive punch because magnesium is involved in over 600 reactions in the body. Now, it is your best friend if you need more energy, better sleep, a faster metabolism, improved digestion, and not to mention happier periods. And you can quickly replenish your magnesium levels with my Essentially Whole Magnesium Restore Supplement made with my favorite form of magnesium, magnesium glycinate. Use promo code PODCAST and get 10% off your entire order at drmarisa.com slash magnesium. Now I'll have the link in the show notes for this episode to make it easy. Go and try it out today. Whether we fully grasp it or not, toxins play a huge but often overlooked role in hormone disruption. And every single year, new chemicals are put into our environment, our food and water supply, and it's simply impossible to avoid them at this point. Now, according to the report by the World Health Organization, there are several chemicals that have been shown to negatively impact our hormones. Close to a thousand chemicals are known or suspected to be capable of interfering with hormone receptors, hormone synthesis, and hormone conversion. However, only a very small fraction of these chemicals have been investigated. Now, this lack of data introduces significant uncertainties about the true extent of risks from chemicals that could potentially disrupt the endocrine system, according to the World Health Organization report on endocrine-disrupting chemicals. More than ever, it's important to understand the harmful effects of toxic ingredients in daily cleaning products and personal care products, such as our dishwashing detergent, laundry dryer sheets, foundation, nail polish, and even lotion. There is now strong scientific evidence linking dangerous toxins and synthetics in cleaning and personal care products to chronic diseases such as reproductive toxicity, autoimmune disease, allergies, and cancer. Now, recent studies have found parabens and phthalates to be shown in breast milk and in body tissues from fragrance and xenoestrogens, which often come from fragrance, plastics, and a lot of other chemicals. Now, equally as important as the impact of synthetic preservatives and fragrances are having on our environment, we should know that persistent pollutants, they don't degrade. Instead, they remain in our water supply and in our soil. This in turn affects our food and water. When the body is bombarded with endocrine-disrupting toxins from numerous exposures every single day, what we end up seeing is mitochondrial dysfunction, low thyroid function, adrenal fatigue, brain fog, weight resistance, estrogen dominance, insulin resistance, blood sugar issues, hot flashes, infertility, migraines, shortened periods, severe PMS symptoms, liver congestion, digestive upset, and so much more. Honestly, the list goes on and on. Now, these chemicals do this by influencing how certain glands in our body make hormones, by causing leaky gut, by damaging our cells, and on a cellular level through oxidative stress. And no one knows this better than my dear friend, Dr. Tom O'Brien, who has devoted his entire career to solving autoimmune conditions and hormone issues. And I am honored 
to have him on the show today because I've been looking forward to this conversation for quite some time because it's important for us to get clear on the concerns around toxins and our health. Now, before I bring Dr. Tom O'Brien on, I want to quickly sing his praises. Dr. Tom O'Brien is considered the Sherlock Holmes for chronic disease and teaches that recognizing and addressing the underlying mechanisms that activate the immune response is the map to the highway towards better health. He holds teaching faculty positions with the Institute of Functional Medicine and the National University of Health Sciences. He has trained and certified tens of thousands of practitioners around the world in advanced understanding of the impact of wheat sensitivity and the development of individual autoimmune diseases. Let's welcome him to the show. Welcome to the Essentially You podcast, Dr. Tom O'Ryan. How are you doing today? Oh, thank you. Uh, very well. Very well. It's a pleasure to be with you. Mm, it's a pleasure to have you. I have been looking forward to this conversation for quite some time. It is such a blessing. And, you know, you are, I consider to be like one of the Sherlock Holmes when it comes to chronic conditions. And an area that my ladies are looking for is what are some of the biggest root causes of hormone issues? And one of the things that you've been able to pinpoint was the onslaught of toxins that we are being just bombarded with every single day. So can you talk to me a little bit about why the actual hormone imbalance is not the thing to focus? on. It's really the deeper issue. Well, yeah. Hormone imbalances need to be addressed, obviously, because they affect how we think, they affect how we feel, our motivation, our action potential, if you will. When there's a hormone imbalance, the first thing we always want to do is feel better. And that's fine. You know, of course we want to feel better, but Going for feeling better is not going to fix the problem that caused the eventual manifest, and that's the key word is eventual, the eventual manifestation of hormone imbalances. So just feeling better, you know, take some testosterone, guys, you're going to feel better, of course, or estrogen for women or estrogen, progesterone or whatever the hormones are. Once you've tested and identified a deficiency, I am a strong advocate of hormone therapy when you have a deficiency of the hormone. But if you take hormones without testing to see, do I need to take hormones? Because your doctor says, well, you got all these symptoms. You probably have an estrogen deficiency. You know, you're in your late 30s. It could be an early change of life. And they, they give you the yaba yaba yaba. And let's just get you on some estrogen and progesterone and see how you feel. That's extremely dangerous because if you don't have a hormone insufficiency or a hormone deficiency and you take excess hormone, you take extra hormones in your body, it's going to be an excess because there wasn't a deficiency. Now, the symptoms suggest, well, you've got this problem with your list of symptoms really suggests estrogen's not working very well, and lots of women that take estrogen feel better. Okay, doc, can we test my estrogen? Well, we don't really do that here. Well, then I need to find a new doc because, excuse me, but you know, it's such a, if I can use the word, a bastardized approach that so many practitioners are taking now because it's simple. You write a script. Patient takes the hormones, they feel better. Their skin looks better. But in four years, they're diagnosed with a hormone-related cancer. 
or some other complications that can develop. So the first point is always it's okay to take extra hormones if you have a deficiency of that hormone. And that will help you feel better. And that's really important. But if you have a deficiency of the hormone and you take hormones to feel better, you have to ask the question, why do I have a deficiency of the hormone? Doctor, say, well, it just happens. You know, it's life and stress or those, it's stress. And they nod their head, it's stress. So you go, oh, okay. And you nod back and then you forget about it because they told you it's, it's not stress. Um, stress can certainly fuel the fire, but that's not the mechanism that can be a contributing factor. I don't want to downplay it, but it's not the mechanism that caused the hormone insufficiency or hormone deficiency that you may have. So that's the first category when you have a hormone insufficiency or deficiency. Absolutely take the hormones, absolutely for a period of time while you're working on getting your body to deal with why you had the insufficiency or deficiency. That's one category. The second category is when you do the testing for a hormone imbalance and you don't have a hormone deficiency. And if you take hormones when you don't have a deficiency, by definition, you're gonna have an excess of hormones. And when you have an excess, which is more than your receptors can handle. Now, receptors are like catcher's mitt. The pitcher throws the ball to the catcher. And every hormone has receptors on every cell that needs that hormone. That's how the hormone gets inside the cell, is that the receptors are sitting facing into the bloodstream. And so when progesterone's going by, there's like a magnetic pull that pulls progesterone into the progesterone receptor site. It's like a lock and key mechanism that opens the door to the cell and the progesterone can go inside the cell. Or with thyroid hormone, it's the same way. Or with any other hormone, there are receptors, catcher's mitts, that pull the hormone into the lock, unlock the lock, open the cell door, and the hormone could go inside the cell to do what it's supposed to do. When you have an excess of hormones, which means you tested, you don't have an insufficiency or deficiency, but they're giving you hormones anyway, and you take them and you feel better, so you forget about it because, oh, I'm feeling better. But now you have an excess amount in your bloodstream, more than what the receptors can handle. That's when you start triggering hormone-related imbalances that may not show for three years, four years, five years, 10 years. Those are cancers. Those are degenerative conditions. It can contribute to the development of autoimmune diseases. That's the first concept we need to understand is your doctor says you've got, or you, you read an article that the symptoms you're having say that you've got a hormone insufficiency or deficiency. You need hormones. Okay, well, let's test to confirm that to see they're not expensive tests. And if they say no, they're not going to test you for they're just going to shotgun, say thank you so much, and you go find a new doctor. Critically important to know what you're dealing with. So that's the first concept, Marissa, is that we have to confirm there's a deficiency before we start prescribing and giving hormones to patients.
Well, and Dr. Tom, real quick, you know, because I know a lot of doctors, even the type of testing, I know, I know we don't want to get into all of that, but let's even say that if we are dealing with toxins and it's, let's say the test is showing, you know, a, a decline in a particular estrogen, maybe it's estradiol, or maybe we see an uptick in estradiol. So we may think that, oh, you have a significant amount of estrogen. We need to bring in progesterone to balance things out. That doesn't tell us always the entire picture as well, because with toxins, we could have a receptor issue. We could have a liver issue. We could have a detoxification problem. And that could be skewing the numbers. That's the next point. The next point is when you don't have a deficiency or an insufficiency, but you feel better taking hormones. Well, why is that? Because you're shotgunning, you're blasting it in, which means it's not getting into the cells on its own very well. So you can have all the hormone in the bloodstream that you want, but if it's not getting into the cells, then you're not gonna get the benefits of that hormone. The classic example, the very classic is thyroid hormone. And there are so many studies that show this, that there are three chemicals that have an affinity get pulled into the thyroid receptor and they just sit there. They don't get broken down or they, they don't unlock the, the lock. They just go into the lock so that thyroid hormone coming in can't get in because the receptor is full of chlorine or bromide or fluoride. And so that's classic when people have thyroid symptoms, pretty obvious thyroid symptoms. Somebody reads a list and say, oh, I've got that, I've got that. No, yes, 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 no, no, yes, yes. Wow, I've got 14 of the 18 symptoms that they list. I've got a thyroid problem. But your thyroid blood tests are completely normal. Then you know, you're dealing with some kind of an emergency break. And what do I mean by that? You're backing out of the driveway and you say, what's wrong with this car? I'm giving it gas, it's moving, but it's not moving very, oh, the emergency break. And you let go of the emergency break and now you back out completely. So when you have adequate hormone, but you have the symptoms of hormone insufficiency or deficiency, you've got an emergency break on your hormones working properly. And that is the category where so very often, a vast majority of the time, it's toxic chemicals that are sitting in those receptor sites, whether it's estrogen receptor sites. That, you know, that's why 15, 20 years ago, scientists started identifying some of these chemicals in a category that they call endocrine disruptors, meaning hormones the, the endocrine, your hormonal-related system in the body, is being disrupted by these chemicals. I mean, it's shocking when you see how many chemicals a woman puts on her body every day, whether it's an underarm deodorant, how many chemicals are in that one, or the shampoos and you're breathing it in, going right up to your brain, how many chemicals are in that one, or the soaps or the nail polish, and the phthalates are in your bloodstream in four to five minutes, how many chemicals are in that one? The amount of chemicals that we're being exposed to never before in history have humans, and we, we have humans been exposed to this, and we have no defense mechanism. You have the exact same body as your ancestors thousands of years ago. The kidneys work the same way, the gallbladder the same way, the immune system the same way. 
Our bodies work exact. We use our brains more. So we've learned how to grow food and store food and refrigerate and housing to keep us warm in the winter and all of that. But we have the same physiology and the immune system works exactly the same as your ancestors immune system. So, okay, so what? Well, your ancestors, what threatened your ancestors? There were only six things, bugs, parasites, viruses, mold, fungus, and bacteria. That's it. There was no red dye number 42 that's in lipstick. There, there was no bisphenol A that's in the water when you drink plas- uh, water from plastic bottles. There was none of that. So when we're exposed to chemicals, usually it, it's such a minor amount. And if you want, we'll talk about the politics of all, why they're here. But it's a minor amount and it's not, it doesn't bother you. Your immune system doesn't recognize it. It can't because it can only recognize bugs, parasites, viruses, mold, fungus, and bacteria. But these chemicals, they accumulate in your body. So I'd like to give you an example of that, and then I'll continue with the immune system part. Chicago, 2016, 346 pregnant women in the eighth month of pregnancy. They did urine tests, eighth month of pregnancy urine tests, and they measured five different phthalates. Phthalates are chemicals used to mold plastic. And bisphenol A, BPA is one of those, and there are many, but they measured five. And they divided them, the women, into how much of these phthalates did they have into four categories, the lowest, the next, the third, and the highest. They then followed the offspring of those pregnancies for seven years. And when the children turned seven years old, they did Wexler IQ tests on them, the official IQ test. What did they find? You know, there's not much in medicine that's all or every. This was every. Every child whose mother was in the highest category of phthalates in urine in pregnancy, every child, compared to the ones whose mothers were in the lowest category of these 346 women, every child in the highest category, their IQ was seven points lower, 6.7 to 7.4 points lower. Now that doesn't mean anything to anyone until you understand that a one point difference in IQ is noticeable and a seven point difference is a difference between a child working really hard, getting straight A's in school and a child working really hard, getting straight C's in school. This child doesn't have a chance of ever excelling in school. Not possible because their brain never developed properly. Now go to Google and type in phthalates, P-H-T-H-A-L-A-T-E-S, phthalates and neurogenesis, nerve growth. Here come the studies. The higher the amount of phthalates, the lower the brain cell and nerve cell growth. So these children whose mothers are in the highest category of these chemicals, the brains of these children never developed in utero uh, completely. That's just one small example. And there are many, many studies like this about brain cell development and nerve development, which occurs. So it's the accumulation of these chemicals over the years. You know, you give me a little girl at five years old, this painting her 10 little fingers and 10 little toes. You know, it's so cute. 
and there's no evidence that the amount of phthalates that leach into the bloodstream from that nail polish is toxic to humans. There's no evidence of that. That's how the chemical industry gets away with this. But this accumulates, and she does this once a week for 20 years, 25 years of doing this once a week or more often as she gets into her teenage years. Now, and this stuff's been accumulating. Now you cross a line of tolerance. Now there's so much of this stuff affecting how your cells develop. The immune system gets activated trying to protect you. And when it tries to protect you, it can only operate as if it's a bug, parasite, virus, mold, fungus, or bacteria, which means it creates inflammation because inflammation kills the bug, parasite, virus, mold, fungus, or bacteria. That's the job of inflammation is to protect you. Your immune system's trying to protect you. So it's the accumulated chemicals that develop inside of mom, activating the immune system, trying to protect her, creating the inflammation that inhibits the brain cell growth and development for that baby. Mm -hmm. And that's just one example of hundreds of, I mean, it's overwhelming. Well, that's just an example of in utero. You know, you think about once once babies get out into the world, um, you and I both have little boys at almost the exact same age and just the amount of plastic for for children and babies, you know, to keep them safe, you know, you know, they don't break glass. I mean, we've gone through such great lengths to only use glass and only use stainless steel. And, you know, you know it's, it's incredible. Like for the most, most people, you know, I walk around at the zoo, we go to the San Diego Zoo a lot, and I just look to see what other families are using. It's almost always, pla- it's all plastic. Plas- and some like some nasty plastic too, like some cheap. Yeah, the cheap stuff where, yeah. And the chemicals in there leach out so much easier, right? We, we use silicone for our, our boy, you know, silicone cup, silicone plate, and silicone spoons and things uh, because they don't leach. Now, if they get in your body, silicone implant, that's a big problem because those can break. Uh, But in terms of a plate or a cup, I can't find any evidence that it leaches any of that. It doesn't. I know some silicone sometimes, and always be mindful, always be looking out that sometimes they will mix plastic with silicone. And so just just double check if you're buying, especially for your family, cups, plates, these types of things, especially for your little ones. Um, just be looking on the lookout for those types of things. Just because I found that it'll they'll say it's food grade and silicone, and, or you know, and, and it's not. So we're just to be, you know, to be mindful about, but it's, you know, we think about all the things, not only we're putting on our skin, we're putting on our children's skin, not only having an effect neurologically, but also endocrine wise. Oh, these chemicals accumulate in the receptor sites. That's why they're called endocrine disrupting chemicals. And so then the estrogen can't get into the cell. The testosterone can't get into the testes for the little boy when he's seven, eight, nine, and starting to produce testosterone at measurable levels. It just can't get in and do the job it's supposed to do very well. You know, and it's like a dimmer switch. It's not an on-off switch. It's either working perfectly or it's not. It's a dimmer switch. And some tissues get dimmed down more so they can't function very well. Whereas other testosterone tissues, in my example, they still are, even with a little bit of testosterone getting through the receptor site, it helps and you can't, you don't see any symptoms. So it's on a dimmer switch. And the key here to understand 
is that the journal Pediatrics published this paper. It was from the board of the American Academy of Pediatrics, not just one author. So this was a message from the board of arguably the largest medical organization for healthcare for children uh, in the world. And this message was to go out to everyone. And they said that the Toxic Substance Control Act failed miserably to protect our children. And then they went on to explain how these chemicals accumulate in a child's body and inhibit that child's growth and development. In there, they identified that it was 27 trillion pounds of chemicals manufactured or imported into the United States every year. Now, that number means absolutely nothing to me. I've got no reality on that at all. What does that mean? I didn't know. So I divided 27 trillion by the population of the United States. I think it was 330 million, whatever the number was. So I got that. And that's the amount of chemicals per person per year. And I divided that by 365 days. And it comes out to 247 pounds of chemicals per person per day that are manufactured or imported into the United States. That's five 50-pound bags a day per person. Where does this stuff go? Well, it's in your house. You know, we're in a hotel right now. It's in this desk, which is fake wood. You know, it's press board that's soaked in formaldehyde. And they compress all this sawdust and stuff together and the varnish that's on top of it. And this fake wood floor that I'm looking at. Or the flame retardant chemicals in the sheets that you sleep on here. And the blankets or the pillows. The amount of chemicals we're exposed to is going up exponentially every year. And we think, oh, it's okay, it's safe. If it was a problem, our government would protect us. No, they don't. This is why I'm going to give you two statistics that are jaw-dropping. The first one that may mean nothing to most people, but believe me, it's jaw-dropping, is that every autoimmune disease that they check has, uh, is, is going up 4 to 9% per year, every year. 4 to 9% a year for every one of these autoimmune diseases. That's the first statistic. The second one is from Blue Cross Blue Shield, arguably the largest for-profit health insurance company in the world, in the English language. And they published in March of 2020, they said, we got a problem here. In a four-year period from 2013 to 2017, in that four-year period, there was a 407% increase in the diagnosis of early Alzheimer's, 407% in 30 to 44-year-olds. Oh, my gosh. Exactly. It's like, oh, my God. Not a 10% increase in four years, a 407% increase. And it's a talk I give all over the world on stage. Uh, it's called the, the Canary in the Coal Mine. And the brain is the canary in the coal mine. And that comes from that back in the 1800s, coal miners would take a canary down in the mine with them. And they put a little candle there. So the canary's singing songs all day. 
If the canary stops singing, somebody goes over and checks. If the bird has fallen over dead in the cage, they blow a whistle and everyone gets out of there immediately because canaries are very sensitive to methane and carbon monoxide and humans can't smell it. And so if they stayed down there, they would die, right? So the canary in the coal mine is a phrase that means an early warning system of imminent danger. And it's the brain that is the canary in the coal mine of the body for the amount of inflammation that we're being exposed to and how it's damaging and destroying our tissue, killing off brain cells, killing off brain cells, killing off brain cells. And the result is, I'm sure you've had conversations with many of your friends. Oh, I'm getting older. I don't remember the way I used to. <laughs> How old are you? Well, I'm 36. No, that's not supposed to happen. That is not supposed to happen. That is an early warning system of excessive amounts of inflammation, killing off brain cells, killing off brain cells, killing off brain cells. So it doesn't matter if we're talking about the function of the testes and producing testosterone, the function of the ovaries producing estrogen, progesterone, the function of the adrenals taking over for the ovaries when you go through menopause, producing estrogen and progesterone, the function of the thyroid, producing thyroid hormone. This danger is accumulating in every endocrine system of our body because these chemicals, they're endocrine disruptors. They sit in the receptor site for that hormone and then the hormone can't get in to get into the lock and open the door and get into the cell so the cell can do whatever it's supposed to do with that hormone. Mm. And so it's interesting, you know, I always think of the hormones as being the canary in the coal mine because they tend to be the first kind of kind of letting us know something is right or something's not right. But I hadn't thought of the brain as the canary in the coal mine, but we're starting to see, and as you mentioned, I think this is the generation where we really start to see a massive accumulation from in utero all the way through. And just that accumulation is just adding up sooner because it's it, it happens sooner. Well, because babies are being born more toxic than ever. And you've seen the studies, it's 280 chemicals in the umbilical cord blood at birth that aren't supposed to be there? Well, and children have allergies and they have gut issues and they have autism and ADHD. And, but it doesn't, it doesn't have to be the big, the big ones that we're thinking about when it comes to children. It could just be rashes. It could just be, like I said, allergies and earaches and things that seem like, you know, oh, whatever, not a big deal. But over time, this accumulation turns into something else. And now we see girls in puberty with PCOS and struggling with severe menstrual cycle issues and really severe PMS symptoms that we'd never seen before, like not at this level, or girls starting their periods much earlier than they used to. Exactly. It's 4 to 9% a year increase every year. And you hit it on the head, right on the head. This is why. This is why it's happening. So every listener needs to, um, my, my suggestion, allocate one hour a week to learning a little more, how do I detox my family's bodies and our home? How do we reduce the amount of toxins in the home? And then you learn from NASA that NASA, and most people don't know this, our astronauts were going loopy in space 
They had lots of brain fog and they never talked about it with the press, but why? They couldn't figure out what, you know, what's, what's going on. Is it the stratosphere? Is it the lack of oxygen? What is it? No, it's the amount of chemicals from all the plastic that's in a spacecraft. You know, the metals don't outgas much, but everything, the coverings, they're all plastic. It's phthalates. And so NASA did the studies looking at houseplants. Can houseplants help? These are new rocket ships, you know, just kind of like a new car. You know, if you can, you buy a new car, ask how long it's been on the lot, see if it's been off-gassing for a couple of months. Don't buy the one that just got there two days ago. Even still, off-gas it every single freaking second you've got for months and months and months. But I'm guessing these rocket ships, they're not off-gassing these rocket ships. <laughs> and with the example of the new car, you know, since 1984, I've been buying negative ion generators that go in the cigarette lighter socket of the car. And they're on Amazon. That's like 50 bucks. And you, you, you put one in there, you get a little blue light on it. And what negative ions do inside your car is that they put a little static in the air. So all of the particulate matter in the air clumps together and it gets too heavy to float. So it drops down onto the carpet or onto the dashboard, but it's not in the air. You aren't breathing it. That's why people always get in my cars and say, wow, your car smells so new, fresh. It's refreshed. And it's the negative ion generators that are just taking all that particulate matter from the diesel fumes on the expressway or from the, and it's really fun to drive now, you know, in our car because it just feels so fresh. And, you know, we like it, but that's just a simple little thing on the checklist. And what you need to learn as the matriarch of your family or patriarch of your family is uh, first realize there's a hundred little tidbits like that, that you need to learn. And it's overwhelming, but you just take one at a time. So you, you go on Amazon and you order the native ion generators. You only have to do it once and then it's done. Yes. It's like, I like these things where you even just only have to do it once. But I know you were talking about houseplants too. And I wanted you to finish that because NASA had, had to figure out the brain fog issue. Because I imagine they were having migraines. They were probably having all kinds of issues, having to breathe all that in, in that small enclosed space. Exactly. Exactly. And NASA found that two six-inch houseplants in a 10 by 10 room, absorb over 70% of the toxins in the air. And at nighttime, they generate oxygen into the air. So your kids' bedrooms should have lots of houseplants, you know, two, three, four houseplants. Every room of your house, if you've got eight rooms in your house, you go buy 20 houseplants, six-inch houseplants. They're like five bucks each, something like that. And if you can't afford it, you buy two, you know, for, for your kid's bedroom and then your bedroom's next. And when you can't afford it, you get an air purifier for the house. And, you know, you just take these baby steps. So you go to my website, the dr.com forward slash plant. There's the handout from NASA with the name of the plants. And, you know, we made it really pretty with the pictures. And, oh, I know those house plants. Mother-in-law's tongue. That's right. Those just those little straight leaf things that go up like this. They're called mother-in-law's tongue, and they absorb lots of toxins in the air. And it's a no-brainer to take care of them. You just water them once every two weeks and keep them out of direct sun, and they're happy. 
Oh yeah, there um, there's so many great house plants that you really have to try extremely hard to kill. You know, there's a lot of them you can you absolutely will not kill some of these house plants. That's right. But if you do, you go buy you can more. Replace, you can replace them for very inexpensive. We have um, we have four in here. We have three in my son's room. We we have at least three in every single room of the house, um, and it's not they're nice. They are nice. It adds an aura to the air. I don't want to get airy fairy about if it. If only hotels would have house plants in them. You know, I um, I read a book back in the seventies called The Secret Life of Plants. It was a great big thick thing. And I'll never forget this. They did one study where they hooked a plant up to like a lie detector that was determining the electrical current going through the plant. And they just measured it. And some guy, and there were like six or eight of them in the room. One was measured, like being measured. And a guy came in with a machete and just chopped up all the plants, except for that one that was being measured. And it showed this plant went into shock, whatever that looks like on an EEG machine but it went into shock. And then the guy left and uh, the plant settled down after a while. And two months later, I think it was two months or some time later, but it was extensive amount of time later, the same guy walks back in the room for the first time. The plant went into shock just with the guy walking in the room. And I can't fathom, I can't fathom that. I was like, what, what? And then there's another story about the farmer whose apple tree wasn't producing apples one spring, the buds for apples. So he went out there with a shotgun filled with salt and just blasted it. And then the, the tree started producing flowers afterwards. So, you know, who knows? Who knows how all this works? But the idea that plants create an, a, an aura in a room is so well established, you know, that people just feel better when there are plants around. And it's, they're, they're going to clean the air. So that's one of the things you can do to reduce the exposure of toxic chemicals that you and your family are being exposed to every day. Another thing, you can make your own house cleaners, your furniture polish instead of using Pledge because Pledge has got all that list of chemicals in it that are just nasty for you. You can make your own um, glass cleaner instead of using uh, Windex. You can make your own floor cleaners. I mean, or you just buy like organic or consciously made stuff, but you start to understand that what you bring into your home, you're exposing your family to this stuff. Well, it says it's not too bad for you. Wait a minute. Just read about that one chemical in that product you're bringing in. So you just Google a chemical. You go, oh my God, cancer, 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 autoimmune disease, cancer, autoimmune. Wow. Wow. Well, I don't want to expose my family to that. And It'll just be so overwhelming to you how often that's going to be the response that you have when you start really investigating what you're bringing into your family's home. Agreed, 100%. I want to specifically address the impact of toxins on the gut. And I know that you have a gut reboot guide for us. But yeah, could you just connect the dots here? I know I know, people know that toxins are absolutely messing with our gut microbiome. It's messing with, uh, with causing leaky gut. And I know this is a huge piece. If we can address some of these gut issues and also obviously get rid of some of these environmental toxins, we are definitely set up for more success. Absolutely. Uh, Professor Alessio Fasano at Harvard, we think this guy's going to win the Nobel Prize. We truly do. 
he and his team in 1997 identified how a leaky gut occurs, what the proteins are that get made and create a leaky gut. And they've been publishing about that ever since. And this is what they're teaching now at Harvard Medical School is that 14 of the top 15 causes of death in the world today, in, in the U.S. today, are chronic inflammatory diseases. It's always inflammation, except for unintentional injuries, like an accident. Everything else is a chronic inflammatory disease. And what they're teaching at Harvard is that there are five pillars in the development of chronic inflammatory diseases that for a chronic inflammatory disease to occur, five things happen. There are five contributing factors. The first one is your genetics. Mrs. Patient, if I pull at a chain, it always breaks at the weakest link. It could be at one end, the middle, the other end, it's your heart, your brain, your liver, your kidney, wherever your genetic weak link is. And it's your genes, and here's a geek term, antecedents, which means how you lived your life. You know, for example, you eat merc or you eat tuna three times a week, tuna fish, uh, you got mercury poisoning. Almost all the tuna is high in mercury now. So it's the antecedents and your genetics that determine where the weak link is, okay? And you can't turn genes on and off. It's not possible. We've said that for years. Well, let's turn those genes off. You can't turn genes off. Genes operate on a dimmer switch. And you can dim them down, the genes of inflammation. You can dim them down, the genes of breast cancer, the BRCA1 gene. You can dim it down. Or the genes for Alzheimer's, you can dim them down. And you turn ramp up the genes of anti-inflammation. That's the target here. Dim down whatever your weak link is in the chain, dim those genes down and ramp up the protective genes of anti-inflammation. That's the goal, but, and, but that's how you think about genetics. So any doctor that says to you, well, you know, you've got the gene, so uh, for breast cancer and your grandmother died of breast cancer, so let's, let's do um, surgery and take the breast because you've got the gene. Nonsense. That is a historic misconception before all the science came out of how do you dim down genes? You know, how do you quiet them down? Now we know. So that's genetics. That's the first pillar. The second pillar are the environmental triggers. What we're exposed to, the chemicals, the foods, the most common source of environmental triggers is what's on the end of your fork. That's most common, right? But the environmental triggers have their hands on the dimmer switch ramping up genes or calming down genes. And so which genes get affected is determined by what foods you eat. Bottom line, that's it. And there's many reasons why we all should be organic and maybe we'll talk about that. But that's the second pillar is environmental triggers. Okay, I understand that. Okay, so anything that me and my children are exposed to has an effect on the genes in our body to calm down or ramp up genes. That's correct. That's all you need to know about genetics. That's all you need to know. And so, okay, so that's number two. Number three, when the environmental triggers are activating inflammation, you change the 
environment of the microbiome, the balance of good guys and bad guys in the gut. When you change the balance so that there are too many bad guys, not enough good guys, that's called dysbiosis. It's another geek word, dysbiosis of too many bad guys, not enough good guys. Now, here's a cute little fact with dysbiosis. You know, if I exercise too hard one day, pumping iron, the next day my muscles are sore, right? And it's because there's too much lactic acid. My body didn't get rid of all of the exhaust from the muscle cells. It's called lactic acid. All of the bacteria in your gut, the trillions of bacteria in your gut, they all produce exhaust, like muscle cells produce lactic acid. They all produce exhaust. The exhaust is called the metabolites of the microbiome. 36% of all the small molecules in the bloodstream are the exhaust of the microbiome. 36% of everything are the messengers, the exhaust, from the bacteria in your gut. And so if you have too much bad guys, too many bad guys in the gut, you got dysbiosis, then the messengers, the metabolites going through the bloodstream, see, these metabolites, they've got their hands on the steering wheel of the direction of your body's health. When you have dysbiosis, so the messengers in the bloodstream are more bad inflammatory messages than good non-inflammatory messages. When you have too many bad messages in your bloodstream, you've turned your steering wheel five degrees in the direction of your body's health. Well, what does that mean? Well, just drive down the highway and turn the steering wheel five degrees. What happens within a hundred yards? You're off the road. Now, what, what does that mean? Well, it means you've got so much inflammation in your brain right now that you're not, you can't remember the way you used to or whatever the symptoms are that are coming up because there's too much inflammation going through your system, right? So that's the metabolites that come from the microbiome in your gut. That's number three. So number one was the genetics. Number two are the environmental triggers. Number three is when they cause dysbiosis, creating all these bad messages. Number four is the dysbiosis in your gut creates leaky gut. Now, what's leaky gut? What is it? Mrs. Patient, your digestive system is a tube. Starts at the mouth, goes to the other end. Kind of winds around in the center there, about 20, 25 feet. The inside of the tube is lined with cheesecloth. Now, why is that? Because when you swallow food, it's in the tube. It's not in the body yet. It's in the tube. You know, if you think of a donut, if you could stretch a donut out, one big, long donut, you look down the center of the hole and you put something in the hole, it's in the donut. It's not in outside in the body yet. The food has to go through the walls of the donut, through the walls of the tube to get into the bloodstream. That's what digestion is, is breaking down your food into smaller and smaller and smaller pieces, teeny tiny pieces until they're so small they go right through the cheesecloth lining the inside of the gut into the bloodstream. 
But what happens when you have dysbiosis, meaning too many bad guys in the gut, not enough good guys, that's number three, you create the leaky gut. You create tears in the cheesecloth. So the inflammation inside the gut from the dysbiosis because of so many environmental triggers activating inflammation, creating this dysbiosis, now you've got the tears in the cheesecloth. Now, larger molecules of the good food that you're eating get through the tears in the cheesecloth and go into the bloodstream. They're called macromolecules. They're not supposed to get in until they've been broken down smaller and smaller and smaller, but they squeeze through the tears in the cheesecloth. These macromolecules get into the bloodstream and your immune system says, whoa, what's that? That's not supposed to be here. That's not something I can use to make new muscle cells or new brain cells. I better fight that. Now, that creates number five, systemic inflammation. Your immune system gets activated to protect you because these macromolecules got through the tears in the cheesecloth into the bloodstream. And now the immune system has to fight the chicken or fight the strawberries or fight the oregano, it doesn't matter what the food is. If it gets in through the tears in the cheesecloth, through the leaky gut, your immune system trying to protect you is going to cause inf systemic inflammation. And that's what they're teaching at Harvard Medical School, the five pillars in the development of chronic inflammatory diseases, the cause of 14 of the 15 top causes of death in the world today. These environmental triggers, our topic today that we're talking about is about toxic chemicals. That's what you're asking me about, toxic chemicals. They are a critically important category of pillar number two, environmental triggers. And, but when you understand the big picture, you start to understand where these chemicals fit into the picture, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, uh, it's it's dysbiosis in the gut because these chemicals, let's say the artificial sweeteners, they kill off the good guys in your gut and they feed the bad guys. It's a bottom line. That's what they do. Deep fried foods. They kill the good guys in your gut and they increase the bad guys. Bottom line. You know, so what, what, what do you mean? Deep fried French fries? Yes. French fries, onion rings, anything that's deep fried. Not that you can't have any but you certainly can't eat them regularly. You just have to learn. And it's gonna take time to learn all of the exposures that up until now, you have considered normal and healthy food and healthy cosmetics and a healthy house. You know, the, the furniture that you buy for your house. Up to now, you've thought all this stuff was healthy because, well, our government certainly would protect us from anything that's toxic. No, they don't. No. Nope. Do you know that article in pediatrics I told you about? After that article got published, the chemical industry lobbied for three years so that the EPA could never accumulate those kinds of numbers again. So the, the chemical industry does not have to report how much of a chemical they make or what they're importing. They don't have to summarize it. And the government doesn't have the numbers anymore. So that 247 pounds per person per day, that article in pediatrics came out in 2011. And we can't get more current information. No one can. 
because the chemical industry successfully lobbied so that you can't find out how many chemicals are manufactured or imported in the United States. You cannot find out what are the chemicals in your cosmetics. They got the legislation passed that they don't have to list everything they put in cosmetics. So you really have to look for organic. And I'm sure you've had more podcasts on that topic in the past. I'm, yes. I'm sure you have, right. Dr. Tom O'Brien, I'm so grateful. I know we have the the gift that we're going to be giving. And anywhere else you want us to go and find them. So I'm going to have the three steps to gut reboot. I'll also have the, the guide for the plants as well. But anywhere else you would love us to go and find you. Oh, thank you. Our website's the dr.com, the, the doctor.com. Just don't spell the word doctor out. And we've got lots of videos, lots of educational things there for people to begin exploring these topics. And my two books, The Autoimmune Fix, won a National Book Award. It's just a great explanation. I'm very proud of it. And You Can Fix Your Brain, number one in seven categories on Amazon for brain function. And they're both on this topic and they give you guidance. And You you Can Fix Your Brain has 36 to-dos. Like here's a list of three companies that sell glass storage containers so that you get rid of the plastic. You never store food in plastic again, right? You know, things like that. So the dr.com, that's our website. Thank you so much. Although there was a lot of doom and gloom in our conversation today, I just want you to know that there is a lot that we can do consciously to reduce our toxic load and to support our hormones and our endocrine system. Optimizing our gut health plays a big part in that, along with reducing pesticide exposure by choosing organic produce, reducing plastic use, especially single-use plastic and BPA exposure, switching to 100% natural cleaning and personal care products, surrounding yourself with plants that filter indoor air and open up windows 15 to 30 minutes each day, right? These are some easy things that we can do on the daily that makes a huge difference. And also a big recommendation is to consider a 14 day gut and liver detox annually or biannually. And if there's something that you're interested in because you're concerned that your liver's not working properly or you've got toxic buildup or that your body is simply just not feeling the way that you want, we are kicking off our 14-day group detox starting in early January 2023. This is going to be the first time we have ever kicked it off in January. I am so excited. It's been over a year since we've had a group detox launch, and I'm excited that there's going to be more details to come in just a few weeks. I'm going to have the link to check out the detox inside of the show notes in case you want to learn more, especially if you're thinking about yourself and maybe even your partner or buddy to do it together. We're going to be doing it together, Alex and I, and a lot of friends and family members. I would love for you to join us. Also, I want you to go and grab Dr. Tom O'Brien's three-step gut reboot guide. We all know that the gut and the liver are major players for reducing our toxic load and really healing the body. And that's literally what this beautiful guide is all about. So it's also going to be in the show notes. You can go and grab it to get started healing your gut, literally ASAP. And the last thing I want to mention is that today is Black Friday. (laughs) It is the biggest sale of the year. Now, if you're listening to this and shopping at the same time, yes, yes. But I don't want you to miss out on stocking up on your favorite high quality, essentially whole supplements. I mean, my supplements move the needle and get results. So you can save up to 50% off store-wide until Sunday, November 27th. 
I have lifetime discounts. I have one-time order discounts. Again, it's our best sell of the year. So if there is a time to invest in your health, it is right now. I will have the link in the show notes also to our Black Friday sale so that you can go get hooked up. Now, if you love these tips today, be sure to subscribe to the show for more easy tips to heal your hormones and to upgrade your health. And if you're down to do it, leave a quick review so that these episodes are touching many more lives to come. Until the next episode, have an amazing day. Have an amazing time with your friends and family. 